So has this year uh, flown by for anybody else? Christmas is this Friday. Now, I didn't feel like the year was flying by in about March and April. I don't know if you guys remember. I I think March and April were probably the longest months I've ever experienced in my life. Uh, But ever since like May, June, the the year has just gone by so fast. It's Christmas this Friday. Um, I want to celebrate Thanksgiving again. I don't know about you guys. I I kind of miss that food uh, and, the, and the weather at that time of the year. This past week, Renee and I, I feel like we finished up our last few bits of Christmas shopping, uh, which is great. I say shopping. I, I don't know that I, I did everything online this year, I think. I think with the exception of maybe one or two things, that was kind of, that was kind of fun. I don't know that our delivery uh, uh, people like that or enjoyed that as much. They're pretty busy. Uh, but we got the gifts wrapped, and we've been putting them under the tree like different days. And so the kids have, I don't know, it's been fun watching them kind of see and realize that, oh, something else is on the tree and try to figure out, you know, whose is what and what they might have gotten, those kinds of things. Uh, The excitement of seeing them open those things up, the anticipation. I love this time of year. Christmas is my favorite. I know some some of you are like, bah humbug, you know, just let's just get past it and that's fine. But I love it. Um, and, And we don't go crazy, so I don't want to Put out this picture that like we're we're going wild with with all the presents and stuff. Uh, we try to seek ways to teach our kids perspective that it's not all about just the gifts, uh, but it's a good feeling to give a, to give a good gift. Uh, it's also a, feel, a good feeling to get a good gift too. I, I like that part too. I'm not ashamed to admit that. I, I like presents. I, I think they're great. They're amazing. Uh, and and I I have a proposal to make. What if we just extend Christmas throughout 2021? Is anybody with me? Can we just, like I will, I will, okay, three of us are in. That's, that's great. I'm sure everybody online is in with me too, and we're, we're, all, we're all good with that. I'm committed right now, I will commit right now to keeping my Christmas tree up for the entire year. Anybody with me? Come on, let's put something on it. No? Are you supposed to do that? I don't know. It's all right. I already said it. Uh, it'll feel weird by June, I'm sure, maybe a little bit of, out of place. But I think, I think it's a helpful reminder of what's true in any season of the year, not just at the end of December. And that is that we are regularly blessed with good gifts from God in our lives. It's not just a matter of perspective either. It's actually a discipline in acknowledging the truth of what God has promised and what God has blessed us with throughout all of our lives. It reminds me of this segment of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. This is verses 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will not, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, at first blush, I think it's easy to read this passage and and not necessarily be aware of the context and read this final part of verse 11. You know, how much more, you know, will will God give us good gifts to those who ask him and think, well, there's some things I've asked for that I haven't gotten. I mean, maybe you remember some Christmases, some, you know, that you didn't get that brand new car that you were expecting. And maybe, and maybe some of those gifts we've asked for are objectively good things, too. We've said, God, I, you know, I'd like to see this thing happen in my life that, that we would all agree are good things. Um, but God as a vending machine is not exactly what Jesus is getting at here. Uh, the older I get, I know the more complicated my wish list becomes. And by complicated, I really mean expensive. 
Um, there, there are some things that I know that I want that I'm, I'm not going to get. Um, like my definition of a great gift this year, I, I want a brand new Toyota 4Runner. I mean, not just any, I want the TRD Pro package too. And if you, if you look that up, you know why I'm not going to get that. <laughs> it's, it's not in the cards for me this Christmas. But I know also that my definition of what a good gift is can't be limited to the nearsighted desires that I have. As I've gotten older, I've appreciated the value of things that are a little bit more simple um, and a little bit more uh, meaningful in, in my life. For example, I never thought I would ever say this in, in my life, but I have learned the value of a comfortable brand new sock. I, next time, I'm just, say, I'm just saying, next time you get a brand new package of socks, just put on a really old, ratty, like thin, nasty sock of yours that's about to be thrown away. Put that on first, then take that off, and then put on a brand new pair of, pair of socks and tell me that it doesn't change your life. It's amazing. The more experience, the more life experience you have, the more opportunity you have to recognize the goodness of what God blesses us with and gives us with. And as we've been talking about how Jesus is unique this Advent season, we've talked about has, he's, he's the unique way to God, that he's uniquely alive, that he's a unique Lord. Uh, his unique presence, with a C-E, not a T-S, uh, sets him apart as a giver of all good things. And in that passage from Matthew chapter 7, Jesus describes God as a perfectly loving father who will much more give good gifts to those who ask him. And, and Jesus' example of, of this father who's, you know, would give a stone instead of bread or a snake instead of fish, um, like that's not even a habit among evil dads uh, of the world. It's pretty revealing in how we consider what's really the practice of our belief, not just thinking it, not just believing it, but the practice of our belief that God is a good father who gives good gifts. In my experience, the objection to Jesus teaching this uh, here, uh, even among those who claim belief, is that something bad or unplanned or uncomfortable happening is evidence of God's lack of presence or his lack of bestowing good gifts uh, to us. And yet, I, th I think the opposite is proven true. The fact that there is goodness in the world despite the brokenness of the world despite the pr depravity that exists, even despite the sin that we invite into our lives and we allow the choices that we make to break things for us, God gives us good things. And the best of all of that, of course, is Jesus. And when Jesus comes, his presence gives us with two things. It's that God is with us and that God wants goodness for us. And I think those are things that we need to be reminded of pretty regularly, that we need to be in the habit of disciplining ourselves to remember this. Our definition of a good gift develops from godly wisdom and godly perspective. Um, PlayStation 5 is one of the most sought-after Christmas gifts this year. I don't know if you care about that or have noticed that. Um, and most of that stock has been sold online this year for obvious reasons. Uh, but that also means that most of that stock has ended up in the hands of people who just want to resell it for more money. And so people have written bots, you know, there to buy uh, online stuff and get the stock before anybody who wants to get one, you know, who just normally wants to use it. Um, and, and they want to resell it. So I've seen, not that I've been looking for any, or anything like that, uh, PS5s on eBay or Amazon selling for just under $2,000. And the MSRP is like $500 uh, on that. And I think the favorite comment that I've seen under one of these resell, you know, PS5s was a dad complaining about having to spend that much money just so his kids could have a good Christmas this year. 
Now, to be blunt, <clears throat> that's crazy talk. So many problems with that line of thinking. Uh, sure, be frustrated that you couldn't get one, you know, for the MSRP. But to say that, one, you have to buy one. And two, it's the only way your kids can have a good Christmas represents so many interwoven wrong ways of thinking, it's hard to know where to start to start correcting that. There's been a lot of that this year. No? All right. Nobody, <laughs> nobody appreciated that one. Uh, but maybe this is kind of how we think about God sometimes. We kind of gloss over the good gifts we have, the opportunity to celebrate at this time of year um, and beyond because we're consumed with weird definitions of fairness and we're consumed with everything that glitters. When Joseph, he gets an explanation that he's going to be stepfather to God coming in the flesh, um, his world, entire world is going to be turned upside down. He's, uh, he's given this explanation by, by an angel from the Lord to tell him what is about to happen in his life. And he's comforted, comforted with the knowledge that even though nothing would go according to any plan that he had devised for his life, God's presence in his life would give him any greater, even greater meaning than he could ever choose for himself. In Matthew chapter 1, the angel tells Joseph, uh, Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's a unique presence. The Christmas story is one of God coming near to humanity through the coming of Jesus, rather than forcing humanity to impossibly try to come to him. And he does this in the fullness of humility and grace, not even remotely close in, you know, to the way in which Jesus would deserve to come. In Luke's account in chapter 2 of Jesus' coming, we read this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And this is how God chooses to establish his presence. Sure, we might be familiar with that story, but when's the last time you allowed it to confront maybe the worldly desires and wants that you have? That God decided to show up in this world in flesh and blood in times of turmoil. In Bethlehem, not in Nazareth where Mary and Joseph already were, where they would go back to. Um, he was placed in a feeding trough. That's what a manger is. Uh, his birth announcement goes out to lowly shepherds. This is unique. It's, it's not normal. If you were to make up you know, the story of your life, the trajectory that you would love to see, or the story of the life of God coming in the flesh, this is not the one that you would write. It, it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense because we don't have the perspective of eternity within our grasp. It's why we settle so often for what's immediately in front of us rather than that which requires thinking beyond the moment. It's why we struggle with selfishness and prefer conspiracy over straightforward expressions of faith in our life. And yet the straightforwardness of Jesus' expression of love and becoming human, it's a paradox of the rich complexity 
and the simplicity of God's presence within his creation. And it's been that way ever since the sixth day. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God says, let us make mankind in our image. Jesus was there with him from the beginning. And so God created, in verse 27, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And rather than just demanding it from us, since the beginning of humanity, God has shown us and invited us into communion with him, culminating in the arrival of Jesus. God made us in his image, and then he came to us in our image to remind us of the presence that we carry and to show us how to carry it. Jesus was the very image of God, made himself nothing by coming as a man, came as a lowly servant to us, died on a cross, and yet emerged victorious over sin and our separation from God and over death as well. And it's through the Christmas story that God came near and showed us that he loved us so much, the entire world, that we give his only son. More than anything else, that love is what gift-giving is meant to convey. It's never about the stuff, although this works in concert with fulfilling needs of other people. It's the act of love that the gift represents. And so what I want to do is I, I just want to give everybody a few seconds to kind of build in some perspective this season if you haven't had a chance to do that, to be mindful of what God is conveying to you with the gift of his presence in your life. And so if you have maybe some of you carry pen and paper or have, have a notebook or something like that, if you have that, you can uh, write this down. If you have a phone, you can get that out and text yourself this, or if you have your notes app, uh, you can open that and... Um, I'll give you a couple seconds to do that. Because I mean, like, literally, I want you to go through this exercise. And here's what I'd like for you to do. Um, on the screen, I've got, I've got this question for you. What has God's presence gifted me with? And I've got three slots there. It doesn't have to be just three, if you can think of more. Um, but what has God's presence gifted you with in your life? Some of you know exactly what your answer is, and so you're already furiously writing. Um, you're done and ready to go. For some of you, this will take a little bit more effort. So maybe some ideas will help spur your thinking. Perhaps for you, it's that in feeling isolated from others that you are not actually alone because God is with us, because he's with you, because he indwells us with his Holy Spirit as disciples of Jesus. Perhaps maybe you've experienced abandonment from others in your life. Um, and that God's presence gifts you with the knowledge that you can build trust, trust back up in your life because God won't leave you or forsake you. Maybe it's that God's presence brings you peace in the midst of turmoil. Maybe it's that forgiveness is possible. Maybe it's wisdom in knowing how to respond to a world that's enamored with individuality yet starving for community. Maybe simply gratefulness for salvation, life without fear of death, friendship with others, perspective beyond the immediate moment, purpose and meaning, joy. We could keep going. There's a lot more than just three. David writes in Psalm chapter 27, verses 8 through 14, My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. 
Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes or false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. David isn't just writing a song here. He's penning a prayer to God to be with him and for him. And his faith rests on the confidence he has in seeing the goodness of God at work in his life now and not just after death. And that hope and strength that we need to wait on the Lord or wait on our perspective to, to catch up uh, with the Lord's is found uh, drawing our attention back to God's presence within our lives. As Jesus says back in Matthew seven eleven, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And so this Christmas, this time of year, what are you asking God for? In your Bible reading, in your prayer life, what good gifts are the Holy Spirit helping you to recognize or perhaps nudging you to pursue in your life? They're there. They might just be in a different place than when the world would tell you to look. Kind of like a savior of the universe being born in a small town in a home with no extra room in a feeding trough to show the world that God is inviting us all to be with him in this life and beyond. As we prepare our hearts and minds to take communion this morning, like we do every week at Velocity, we've got some tables uh, set up around the room uh, for you to, um, after I pray, um, for you to, to partake in. I, I just ask you to, to meditate on what it means to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within, within your life, that, that there's no place where you are that God isn't. And, and that's a great, awesome, amazing, incredible gift for us, that God will never leave us or forsake us, that he is always with us, that Jesus promises to be among us where two or three are gathered in his name. That, that's a, an incredible thing. And the more mindful we are of that in our lives, um, the more prepared we are to see how God is moving in and through and with us, no matter what else is happening around us. Let's pray. God, we, we praise you for your presence. We praise you for the joy and the comfort and the peace that it brings, the grace and mercy that it reminds us of. God, help us to, to pause um, in the midst of uh, the craziness of, of the time of year, of the year, and, and to be reminded that the way that you come to us is, is wholly unique. From, from any other life experience that anyone else might share. God, we, we praise you for that. God, we thank you for the gift of your presence within us. God, we thank you for the, the help, the counsel that, that you bring to us through your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity that we have uh, for this time of year to always be celebratory because not only can we um, celebrate what has happened in the past, but we get to look forward to your coming again in the future. God, we praise you for all these things and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.